heard Thursdays at 3 p.m. Stay tuned for Driving Forces with Celeste Katz coming up in this hour as we continue on with the broadcast day. Because of you, listeners out there have so generously supported us in our efforts during our most recent fund drive and and fund drives before that. You are the reason why we call this listener-sponsored media, and we thank you for that. If you still have a desire to still donate to this radio station, well, you could do so by going to give2wbai.org online. Give to the number 2wbai.org online. Okay, stay tuned for Driving Forces coming up. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Driving Forces here on WBAI 99.5 FM and streaming live on WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz. I am senior politics reporter for Glamour Magazine. My co-host Jeff Simmons is usually here with me every Thursday at 5. Unfortunately, he remains at large somewhere outside the uh, WBAI studios here. So if you see a tall guy with glasses, possibly accompanied by two Brussels Griffon dogs, let him know that we here at WBAI want him to come home. Jeff, we miss you. Uh, I know you say you'll be back next week, but for now, we are trying to hold down the fort here. So last week, we talked about the year in review in politics. 2018, obviously, was a very big year. So we're almost in 2019 now. And what that really means is that we're actually pretty far into 2020, Specifically, what I mean to say is that the 2020 presidential election is well underway, and we're going to have some great guests here today to help us map it all out. Um, Before we get started with that, I just want to take a moment to reiterate what our wonderful engineer Reggie had to say a little bit earlier, uh, which is to ask you for your support for WBAI 99.5. We have... uh, a lot of stuff going on here at the studios in the new year. We have a, uh, a new broadcast facility opening up, which is under construction. Looks good. Uh, we have new phone lines to make your call-ins better. We have done some upgrades to the sound, but we are unfortunately still facing a bit of a shortfall in our fundraising. So we are asking 400 listeners to include BAI in your end-of-the-year giving. Uh, if you want to give a contribution of $100 or more, that would really help us out. Uh, driving Forces, which is what you're listening to here uh, right now on WBAI. is a pretty new show. It just started out this fall. Jeff and I teamed up uh, in September, but we've uh, brought you some great guests and we've tackled some pretty serious topics. We've talked about the midterm elections. We've talked about the legalization of marijuana. We've talked about the Me Too movement. Uh, so we've tried to, uh, to uh, sort of look at the, uh, the greater world around us and bring you some interesting discussions about a lot of issues that affect us uh, both locally and nationally. And for that reason, we would really appreciate your support. If you want to uh, consider giving a pledge to WBAI or becoming a WBAI buddy, uh, please give us a call 516-620-3602. You can also go online to Give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org. 
So getting back into politics here, we're looking at an election season that's well underway. A lot of people said that uh, they would take this holiday season to consider whether or not to actually run for president. Meanwhile, as you know, the uh, the current president and the first lady took a trip to visit the troops uh, overseas. Uh, the government is uh, in shutdown mode. The secretary of defense is on his way out the door. And we're looking at a divided Washington with the Senate run by the Republicans and the House now going to be run by Democrats. So uh, exciting times. And to help us uh, break all this down, we have our first guest here. Uh, glad to welcome Jan- uh, Dan Janison of Newsday to the program. Just to give you an idea of who he is, uh, Dan has worked for daily newspapers uh, in New York City and Albany for nearly 40 years. Doesn't look it, but that is true. He's done investigations and government beat work and covered spot news for Newsday, the New York Post, the Times Union in Albany, and the Staten Island Advance. And he currently writes a national news column that you can see five days a week on newsday.com so mr janison pleasure to have you on the program how are you i am well well i'm much better for hearing your voice it's uh, been a while uh-huh. but uh i see you've been uh, keeping busy yes. with a uh, certain president uh yeah yeah it's uh it, it doesn't stop yeah, no, uh, no, it, the, no the, the, um, the, the, the news is constant and, um, and, and, and it's, um, and it's absurd and it's, um, and it's, uh, important. Um, all those things. So maybe just get us started here and give us kind of the, the 30,000 foot view of what's going on with, with 2020 and specifically, uh, when it comes to the right. president. Let's, let's start with him. You know, what does he have going for him and where, where do you think he's in trouble right now? Well, any any uh, you know you got you got to start with the standard rule that any uh, president is going to have an advantage for reelection. We usually reelect them. Um, thinking back to the last Republican who uh, who was denied a second term, and that was uh, that was George Bush Senior, George H. W. Bush. Uh, but that was after three terms of Republicans, two of them belonging to his predecessor Reagan. And um, and uh, there there was also the dynamic of a three way uh, election in which uh, Bill Clinton beat him uh, from the Democratic side. So it's going to be um, I, I would say that the, that that you get you know a number of points just being the incumbent, uh, no matter how no matter what kind of incumbent you are. On the other hand, Trump is quite amazingly unpopular. And his job approval ratings have been amazingly low um, all through his term so far, for reasons that you can just guess. Um, he is um, going to be facing all sorts of uh, legal problems in the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know if he's going to make it through the term, but let's assume that he will, because uh, there, there, there isn't a clear path. Uh, to, to this being interrupted, he was elected the last time, and uh, and uh, you know that's a that's a very powerful thing that uh, that no prosecutor or or impeachment crew uh, uh, can really can really overcome very easily. Um, so let's 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 figure he's the favorite, and on the other side you have the Democrats. You have like almost a reversal of the last race. Mm-hmm. Last time. Uh, Hillary Clinton was out there. It was 2015. She's looking around the field, and there were even she even had people leaking stories to the Times about how they would like to have a primary challenged because they are so unchallenged. She had this this unbelievably clear path to the presidency, if you remember, 
and uh, then 2016 came around, and uh, things changed. They changed um, quite, quite, a, the quite a lot. <laughs> As, uh, yes, I think quite we all a lot. Remember, I think it's uh, that's a perfect case of careful what you wish for, right? Because then she ends up that's in right. a, an extremely vigorous uh, primary challenge from Bernie Sanders that I believe actually got, in some cases, physically fought out right onto the floor of the uh, Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia. Uh, just Yeah, there was a couple of chairs thrown. Well, that was early, you know. You know, just kind of regular newsroom type of stuff. Uh, yeah, so, exactly. So uh, before we get to some of the individual people, because I do want to talk about that, some of the, mm-hmm. the names we're, we're looking at, you know, looking at Trump, what he's done and uh, what you expect him to do right now, uh, what kind of person, generally, do you think the Democrats need to put up to uh, to get him out of the Oval Office? There's a, there's a I lot don't of think there's a good profile. There is not? I don't think there's a good profile. Um, uh, the person would probably have to be, I mean, in, in terms of... In terms of issues, it's pretty clear. Uh, I think I think that uh, that the Medicare for all appeal is is a lot less radical and a lot more standard. Uh, if you know, this is this is something that probably Nixon endorsed. Uh, it, it's a lot more more uh, uh, of a moderate position than um, than than the Republicans will will make it out to be. But okay, uh, there's that. Um, uh, there's going to be, um, uh, they're going to have to, uh, make a decision on whether they support tariffs. That's a big issue. Uh, certainly in the Midwestern states, um, uh, that's one area where Trump maybe makes some progress for working class people. Um, uh, remember that, uh, NAFTA opponents were on the left yeah, back in the day. Yeah, it was a commonality and, uh, he had a with of, Bernie Sanders, right? That's right, and the and and um, and 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 NAFTA became uh, so this corporate deal that the Democrats embraced, specifically Clinton, um, and um, you ended up with uh, with the Republicans as as the quote free trade party. Now that is flipped around. Um, Democrats, I think, would be foolish to try to become the Koch brothers' sponsors. Uh, at this point in time, and uh, so economic issues, that's going to have to be the basis of any candidacy. Uh, as far as personality, I don't know who you pick. Um, there's going to be, in the Democratic Party, there is a, there, there are different tribal, ethnic, uh, uh, ideological, gender positions unlike the Republican Party, which is pretty well homogenous. Um, so that's going to get fought out. Um, you, know, you want somebody new? you got Beto O'Rourke, uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, you want somebody old? you got uh, Joe Biden. you got uh, Bernie Sanders. Um, I don't know if it becomes an age thing. Um, you want to contrast uh, to Trump. Uh, you have somebody who's who's like a normal American, like uh, Sherrod Brown, or, uh, or, uh, or 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 some such. And, uh, yeah, and you know, Amy, if Amy you want, if you want to meet a little bit more, maybe somebody a little bit more, a little bit more moderate, uh, uh-huh. you know, progressive enough, but not so far to the left that 
Whatever that means to you, yeah. Yeah, well, that's well. There's one guy. Uh, there's one guy I wanted to ask you about, and that's uh, actually one of the reasons I'm primarily. It, it's it's uh, George right. Pataki. No, actually, it's. Um, I do remember George Pataki running for president, though. I, I actually yes. do. So yes. it would it would be you do, but but you you're one of them. <laughs> hey, so. Um, the guy I wanted to ask you about, and by the way, if you're just joining us here, you're listening to Driving Forces. This is uh, WBAI 99.5 FM, and we're streaming live at WBAI.org. Our guest right now is Dan Janison. He is a uh, national news and politics columnist for Newsday. Uh, so, Dan, there's one guy in the race here. We have a one uh, billionaire president from New York right now. So naturally, yep. you would expect that uh, another billionaire from New York might get involved in this. Obviously, talking about Mike Bloomberg, uh, a guy you know, yeah. a guy our listeners know. What What do you make of all of this? Uh, well, compared to Trump, he's got uh, eight times as much money and five times the IQ. Um, uh, he, uh, however, has his handicaps. Uh, remember that when he first ran for mayor, he signed up as a Republican. Why? Because he, he had been a Democrat his whole adult life, but couldn't decided that he could not win a Democratic primary. Um, what makes his handlers think he can now win a Democratic primary? Um, well, there might be a strategy behind it that involves uh, a huge amount of spending in places like California that has a lot of um, has a lot of media markets. Um, there are also problems, perhaps, with his uh, with his background. Um, um, he gave himself a third term in New York, as you recall. I do. Uh, people did not like that. Um, the first question you ask is, you know, does he does he uh, respect the constitutional limitations? Uh, the second thing you ask is probably about uh, things like uh, stop and frisk, which was not a popular thing in minority communities, uh, as it turned out. Um, stop, question, and frisk, whatever you called it, uh, it became a real centerpiece uh, for, um, for, for anti-Bloomberg uh, sentiment in New York by the end of it. Um, he would probably be very, um, very copacetic with the Democratic program on environment and on, uh, on um, gun control. Even Ralph Nader has said that, uh, that that he could vote for Bloomberg, which is an unusual thing to hear. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I have to I have to give him uh, uh, I have to rate him as a far underdog. I mean, we've been through this exercise before. I think he runs every four years until he doesn't. <laughs> well, uh, I think a lot of people are are in the habit of doing that. I think Donald Trump was uh, at one point thinking about running for mayor and then he was thinking about That's running right. for governor he was he actually did explore uh, a run for the presidency i think correct me That's if i'm true. wrong maybe it was in 2012 I, yes. yeah so uh even uh, at one point i think made a trip to new hampshire so this is a sort of a yes. a, uh, yes. a, a hobby so i was i was doing oh come on for uh, you know 8 years ago with him <laughs> oh yeah as opposed to bloomberg now uh, so it, sh it shows you it shows you how valuable my predictions are. But I, I think that um, that he um, that that Bloomberg would would have an influence just just through his spending. Everybody in, at this point 
or or nobody at this point uh, pays any price for having their name mentioned. It's um, it's it's free free prestige. Uh, so throwing it out there can make you perhaps a kingmaker, uh, somebody who you, who comes along and gets your support uh, may want to court you. Um, so the, things are things are really in a very hazy stage right now. Uh, and uh, just to just to stay on Bloomberg for for two seconds here, and then I have one more question. <laughs> uh, so. The idea of having another Subway series, you know, originally in 2008, I thought we would have, uh, I was fully ready to cover uh, Hillary right. Clinton versus Rudy Giuliani. You know, we were, we were all, right. all set. That didn't happen, obviously. Okay. And then we did end up having our Subway series, uh, Trump versus Clinton 2016. Uh, do you think Americans want another one or is it like an, enough with New well, York already? Can we, can we, we try didn't, we, well, yeah, kind of, but it wasn't really a subway series. Clinton had come by way of of of, of Illinois, Arkansas, and uh, and the White House, and Trump was never really involved in 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 New York politics, except in so far his his dad owned some influence at City Hall and turned it into cash. Um, uh, he also wasn't all that involved in in the so called real estate community in New York. He was kind of operating on its own. So it's sort of like you had, you had a a, a candidate from Washington D.C. against a candidate from Hollywood. Uh, so you know the New York thing can get a little bit overrated. Um, on the other hand, New York is uh, is 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 not where uh, national elections are decided. New York will go Democrat, and uh, California will go Democrat. Um, tell so that to, tell that to it, Ronald Reagan, man. Come on now. It's That's a, right. Are we that That's predictable? Right. Actually, we are that predictable. Well, it, 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 California isn't uh, Reagan's California anymore politically, that, at least not at this point in the cycle. That is the truth. So we are. Uh, <laughs> I got time for one more question with you. And uh, sure. I am interested in, in uh, hearing what you have to say about this. We were talking about some of those some of those races that we covered uh, a few years ago. So if you go back to 2008 on the Democratic side and 2016 on the Republican side, you have these real bloodbath primaries with like a dozen people or even sometimes more than that, you know, fighting it out. So in this case, mm-hmm. if the Democrats want to actually have a good chance of knocking out Trump, which is going to be hard, as you say, it's hard to knock out an incumbent, like mm-hmm. it or not. Uh, do you think that they should just go all out and really and have that brawl? Or do you think it would be better for them to sort of to get together and decide on somebody and get behind that person and, and go all in? Uh, it's going to, I, I, I don't see, I don't see unity coming out of this. I, 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 I gotta believe that if the, the Democrats have a chance, it'll be, uh, it'll be because, it'll be because Trump, uh, is, is, is so unappealing, uh, that he can't be, um, that, that he can't be reelected. Um, and, uh, no, you're going to have, you're going to have the fight. Um, and civility is not fashionable right now. So if they pull off a, 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 civ- a civil and constructive uh, primary, it'll be really something to see, but I doubt it. I, uh, I will be watching your work carefully to find out if that's the case. And uh, Dan Janison, where, uh, where can we follow your uh, 
you are brilliant, brilliant. I do we like are, political <laughs> uh, <laughs> political analysis. Where can we read your stuff? <laughs> Bill Goldschlag and I write the uh, the 1600 uh, newsletter, and you can uh, you can uh, take a look on Newsday.com and find us. And uh, I do the column, which uh, which appears under my name um, daily. And uh, again, you can find that in the um, on on our website. Uh, there is some sub- subscriber uh, wall, um, but there are, uh, there are ways to take a look and see if you like it. Okay. Well, Dan Janison of Newsday, thank you very much for being on the program. It's uh, thank you, I, Celeste. It's uh, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. We will have you back again soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So uh, for those of you just joining us, this is Driving Forces. This is 99.5 FM WBAI. We're also streaming live on WBAI.org. And before we bring up our next guest, I just want to give you uh, one more reminder that we are still trying to make up for a bit of a shortfall in fundraising here at WBAI. We are listener supported. We rely on people like you uh, out there in Radioland, if you like uh, the political and cultural and community programming that you get here, which is very different from what you get anywhere else, please consider making a pledge. Please consider becoming a WBAI buddy. Uh, You can do that by calling 516-620-3602. You can also go online and do it. Give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org. And uh, we have our next guest, I think, uh, coming on the line. I'm excited to speak to this fellow. His name is David Webb. If you are familiar at all with uh, uh, radio talk programming, I think he's a a name you know or you should know. He's the host of The David Webb Show uh, that runs from 9 to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Patriot, Channel 125. And he's also the host of Reality Check on Fox Nation on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. He's a columnist for The Hill, has served in the Marine Corps and was a founding father of the Tea Party movement. Uh, and I thought he'd be an interesting guest to have on here uh, today to talk a little bit about uh the 2020 election from the conservative side of politics. And uh, uh, David Webb's motto is truth is the authority. So uh, in the nature of uh, that being the case, I would also like to say the truth is that uh, David Webb is uh, a personal radio mentor and teacher of mine. And uh, Jeff Simmons uh, was kind enough to ask me to co-host this program with him, but I can honestly tell you I would not be sitting in this chair talking into this microphone to all of you if it were not for David Webb. So, David, it is a pleasure to have you on the program. Wow. That's some introduction. (laughs) I've known you a long time. So can I give you a little radio tidbit about me and Pacifica Radio? Yes, Back in the 90s, I helped rebuild and train hosts at KPFT in Houston, and I've actually received an award, actually two awards from Pacifica for helping to rebuild KPFT from Garland Ganter and some others there and your board. That's awesome. I'm a broadcaster. That, that is... That is awesome. Well, first of all, I would believe it. I would believe that you could do that. I would believe that you could uh, get an award for it. And it's nice to know that uh, you have uh, some ties here to the Pacifica family. Well, we're broadcasters. You're a great reporter. You've become a broadcaster. And uh, that's what we do. We have an industry. 
Um, so, well, I'm. Uh, it's it's almost weird for me to welcome you to my program. You've been. Uh, <laughs> I it's, love that it kind of is. It kind of is. <laughs> but I thought it would be cool to have you on. Uh, you know. You could give us some uh, some of your thoughts about looking at this from sort of a more conservative viewpoint. And um, I wanted to start off just by asking you, you know, how do you see President Trump positioned as we go into 2020? Because it's 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 definitely it's on. Right. It's this is not something. Yeah, out you know, the and you've known me long enough to, to get this one. You're right. I'm watching my network, Fox. I'm watching other channels and they're all talking about 2020. And I wish they'd stop. I don't care right or left. I wish they'd stop. We're already in the presidential cycle for some. I think that's going to wane after a while. But the, the, the president and the Republican Party, who failed to deliver on a number of key issues for the base, along with retirements and other things that were part of the entire turnaround in the midterm elections, need to reposition themselves and, as I said, play a bit of prevent defense against some of the things they've done uh, that have helped the economy, that have helped clean up regulatory or over-regulation. There's a difference between over-regulation and proper regulation. And I think they should focus on the wins for the economy and on security of communities, as well as helping people who they've done a pretty good job of expanding in the uh, job market. So that's going to be their goal, to work on that. The president will benefit, as any president will, because people in the end, by and large, left, right, or whatever, they vote on their view of their personal economics. And you feel like people are are getting the sense that they're they're doing better economically than they were. You know, sort of the classic question: Are you better off now than you were X number of years ago? Yeah, I think they are, and I can think it. We can all talk about it, but there's some empirical data that begins to support it, and we've seen it for some time now. And in this latest retail season, when you look at the retail environment, increase in online spending up over another 11.4%. We'll see new numbers soon that was going into it. Uh, even Even though that increase was a shift from big box and local mom and pops, Local mom and pops have done better in retail in the last two quarters uh, by the numbers, according to the Census Bureau. They conduct the Consumer Expenditure Survey and also the CPI, the Consumer Price Index Survey. Those two indices put together, and I used to run them for the government at one point uh, in the early 2000s, uh, those give you an idea of consumer spending from toothpaste to luxury goods or maybe that extra luxury purchase. People tend to do that when times are better, a little bit more in their pocket from tax reform, even though they still have to get more individual tax reform put in place. And when you add that to job retention and the type of jobs being created, there's more income flowing in the consumer base of the economy. So that's good for, for you know the average person out there. So I guess maybe the question is, how good of a job do you think they're doing actually explaining that? If that's the case, if people are seeing some benefits uh, from, you know, some boost to the economy, although I'm uh, getting motion sickness watching the Dow these days, it's, you know, up, up, well, don't down. watch the Dow. Let me, let me tell you something. It's an old rule, Celeste. And <laughs> I used to do business talk, and I still do a great deal of business analysis and economic analysis. 
old rule is if you watch the markets every day, it'll make you crazy, and you're crazy if you watch the markets every day. Uh, too many driving forces within the market, if you separate out the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ, the different mercantile exchanges, because you have globals, multinationals working together. There's a slight difference there, but it matters. You have the types of companies, techs. You have those in uh, short-term equities, long-term equities. Uh, there's a lot more to the market that's not relevant. While we're all in the market in some way, I'm talking on a market phone here, an iPhone, you're using equipment made by companies in the market, but the market isn't a reflection of everyday economics. And right. if you watch it every day, you will get a bit motion sickness. But overall, we're up well over 14% across the board. There are drawbacks and corrections that will happen. And even the way the Fed uh, slight raises are happening, you know, two, three, four, five basis points, whatever they decide to go with, we're still projected at overall growth at 3%, which is based more on the market economy than the Wall Street market. So let me go back for a second to something that you said there a moment ago. And by the way, thank you for working in the name of the program. If you're just joining us, you are listening to Driving Forces. This is WBAI 99.5 FM, and we are streaming live on WBAI.org. Our guest is David Webb, host of The David Webb Show on Sirius XM and Reality Check on Fox. Uh, so, David, what I wanted to go back to is say, you said, OK, don't don't watch the Dow. Don't watch the markets. It'll 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 drive you crazy. For me, it's a very short trip, obviously. But for the I'm with you for the uh, for the regular person then out there. What how well do you think uh, if things are going as well as you say or as the administration says, how good of a job are they doing explaining that? Because if you look at Terrible. Gallup, I know that Gallup is, you know, polls are polls and they have they have their own problems like the rest of us. But presidents at last I looked around 39 percent, not a not not exactly at the head of the class here. So what are they doing wrong? Why? Why? Didn't, why are more people not seeing uh, seeing this as a great administration? Well, you know, and I've said this before to prior administrations, uh, worry less about the polling and more about the people. I have a great deal of respect for pollsters, as you know. I've known some of the very good ones, guys like Doug Schoen and Schoen Consulting and others out there, Gallup, Quinnipiac, and others. But those are, while their statistical modeling is good and very good for pollsters, it's not really the true reflection. I would look at other data that matters. I would look at the ISM, uh, in, uh, the manufacturing index, the rise in manufacturing. I would look at things. I would go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports on industries and, and where they're growing the jobs, the types of jobs in those industries, the industry classification breakdown, if you want to go that far. It's a little bit of fun if you want to get into the geekdom of it, which I do. And I would look at those things. The Republicans have done a terrible job because politicians are the wrong people to explain things to the average folks out there. And frankly, I apply that to both sides. Uh, ask them about politics. They're experts. Ask them about communications. Most of them are not. And too often the pundits and everybody try to parrot the red team, blue team, rather than the green team, which is the numbers and your personal liquidity, your personal growth. Your savings. We look at the increase in savings. There are, you know, there are little. There are better indices and better reasons out there. So, 
if you are uh, if you're looking ahead now at 2020, I know you said it's a, it's a bit early and it is, but people have said that they wanted to take this holiday season to give some serious consideration to running. Uh, you know, what kind of person do you think conservatives and Republicans who like the president should be worried about? That's, uh, you know, what is it? Is it somebody who's super far to the left? Is it somebody who looks different, sounds different than Donald Trump? Is it somebody they know, somebody they don't know? Sort of, you know, when you when you when you wake up from that screaming nightmare of this is the person who is going to uh, who's going to knock Donald Trump out of power and end everything that he's trying to do. Who is that person? You know, if I had a look at who exists now and the numbers risen as high as 30 potential people from Kamala Harris to Cory Booker to Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, uh, Elizabeth Warren might try to make a comeback. Uh, who knows? Kirsten Gillibrand. Uh, typically, we don't elect legislators to become presidents in this country. But of that list, uh, Joe Biden's probably the most recognizable name across the board, probably the most reasonable reflection of a broader uh, compo, a broader swath of America, you know, can appeal to the center, to the left and to the right. But the question is, can Biden carry out that campaign when you have a party in the Democrat side that is, and while Republicans have their challenges, too, and their splits, the Democrats also have a huge split between the Bernie Ocasio-Cortez movement side of it, and uh, you know, and the the more moderate side, which has been pushed out. And many long-term Democrats that I know, some that you and I know, uh, have said, "Look, what has my party done? They've gone and taken this hard left swing. How do we get it back to the center?" So the Democrats, I think, if they're going to have a national uh, rather than a regional uh, approach to win in a general election, which national works, regional doesn't, they're going to have to look to someone like a Biden. Uh, you know, Bay, I know everybody's talking about Beto, or AKA, I like to call him Robert O'Rourke, but he doesn't have the national platform. Uh, they've talked about others like the Castro brothers. Well, they don't have it. So I don't see who they have right now that could step out and be at the front of the pack. And uh, one more, I think we have time for one more. And by the way, I really appreciate you uh, joining me here on Driving Forces. Uh, we're talking with David Webb. He's host of the David Webb Show on Sirius XM Patriot Channel 125 and also a reality check on Fox. Uh, so, David, I guess my last question, how do you see the re-election being different from the election? Because, you know, he's got a track record now and some of it, some of the stuff he said he would do, he did. You know, he has installed more uh, conservative judges, not only on the Supreme Court, but I think almost more importantly throughout the the uh, lower ranks of, of uh, the federal judiciary. Um, but at the same time, you know, I still don't see Mexico paying for the wall, no matter how much he tweets about it. And there are uh, a lot of things that he has wanted to get done that have not quite gotten done. Then there's obviously, on top of all that, a little matter of uh, a newly Democratic uh, House side that wants to uh, start up some investigations. So what's he going to have to do this time that was you know, different from the last time? Well, the president and re-elections are tough for any president, but this president's going to be faced with uh, things that could work for him and against him in the way the Democrats play their hand in the next two years. 
if they just focus on impeachment and other things and try to delegitimize as they've done in the first two years, the Hillary Clinton resistance carries on. Well, they're going to turn away a lot of those middle-of-the-road Democrats, those union voters in the UAW and others around the country in Michigan and other areas that have switched their votes, uh, Ohio, the Rust Belt, Pennsylvania, and other areas. Uh, they're going to push them off, and they're going to lead more to Trump out of not wanting to be anywhere near the Bernie Sanders type of approach from the, from the hard left of the Democrat Party. On the other side, President Trump, will likely have some challenge from Republicans, uh, but I don't think they're going to be successful against him uh, for the reason that when people have done a little bit better from the conservative point of view, like you mentioned, judges, the economy, national security, call it the cultural kind of uh, America first uh, approach, which is you know, a good approach for people who believe that we should take care of Americans while being good players in the world, not just being their policemen or being responsible for everyone because we can't. That's going to play to his strength, and that's going to be hard for a Republican to challenge him on. So, David Webb, if people want to learn more about you and your work, where can they find you uh, online, on the air, on television? Uh, tell us everything. So the easy part. Type David Webb into a search engine. But David Webb show, as you know, Celeste, that is all things social media, Facebook, Twitter, website, you name it. And uh, just type it in. You'll find me. I'm easy. The name matches the web. <laughs> David Webb, uh, host of uh, the David Webb show on Sirius XM and Reality Check on Fox. It's really been a pleasure to have you on this program. And I, I thank you genuinely for uh, taking the time. Hey, turnabout's fair play anytime. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so that was uh, interesting, hopefully, uh, for everybody out there listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI 99.5 FM and streaming live on WBAI.org. Uh, Different perspective. We like to have different perspectives here on uh, WBAI, and I think that's part of what makes this uh, station so interesting. You hear a lot of different voices talking about uh, not just politics, but uh, culture, uh, the arts, uh, daily life, government, uh, public policy, uh, you know, how we live our lives. So uh, if you like this programming, and I very much hope you do, um, Please consider uh, making a pledge. Uh, we'd love to include you in our uh, uh, end of the year uh, pledge giving group. Uh, the number is 516 620 3602. You can also call, excuse me, you can also go online, give to the number two WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz. You are listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI, and we will be coming up on our next guest pretty shortly. Uh, today's topic, obviously, is the uh, the 2020 election. We're not even into 2019, but make no mistake, this election is underway, and we are uh, looking at a bunch of different names, some of whom we've uh, talked about with our previous guests, uh, Dan Janison of Newsday and David Webb of SiriusXM. Uh, there are a lot of people out there that could present an interesting challenge to to uh Donald Trump. There's, uh, you know, everybody from people, you know, Joe Biden, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, Elizabeth Warren, 
uh, Kirsten Gillibrand's in there. We have uh, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. We have some newer names, Beto O'Rourke. We have some uh, some rich guys, basically, you know, sort of the, the billionaires club, the millionaires and billionaires. Sorry, I just had to do that. Uh, people like Mike Bloomberg, for example. Tom Steyer uh, is another person from California that has talked about uh not just trying to impeach the current president, but uh, there's some talk about him maybe even getting into the race uh, uh, himself. And there, there are a lot of people out there, uh, you know, that that uh, aren't necessarily uh, total household names, but some of whom I've talked to that I think would be uh, uh, interesting to uh, to see get into the mix. Uh, you know, people uh, from. Uh, Amy Klobuchar to Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, but in any event, we we're coming off a, a very, very interesting midterm cycle where we saw a lot of people, including women, uh, people of color, uh, really energized, really doing a lot to flip the House. It's now in Democratic hands, and we will see what they uh, what they accomplish with that changeover. Um, and I think that our final guest will be able to talk about whether we're going to see some of the energy and some of the excitement that we saw in the midterms carry over into 2020 and uh, who are going to be the the people to watch uh, not only on the candidate side but uh, on the strategy side and on the voting side Uh, so we're glad to welcome uh, amy allison she is founder of she the people that's a national network uh, that elevates the political voices and power of women of color and she's also president of Democracy in Color, which works to grow the multiracial progressive electorate through media, research and analysis. She's talked about race and gender and politics at the Democratic National Convention at Politicon and on her Democracy in Color podcast. So, Amy, it's uh, great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am. Uh, I'm glad to uh, to have you with us, uh, maybe for our listeners, uh, so we all get a good picture of where you're coming from as we start our discussion. Tell me uh, and tell all our listeners here at BAI a little bit about the kind of work that you do. Well, I founded She the People this year explicitly because I recognized that women of color were the least uh, recognized, most discounted, but most progressive core of uh, the Democratic Party vote, but also who are leading the most vibrant movements. We had all these women of color who typically had been stopped in the primaries um, trying to run for office at the state and congressional level. But um, there was so much urgent need uh, for women of color that explicitly to call out and to elevate our common, uh, very powerful political voice um, was I felt what what was needed, and the country really, really needed us. So that's the work that I'm doing, and uh, you know, it's to um, it's to elevate women of color to lead a uh, inclusive multiracial coalition in the name of economic, racial, and social justice. So, uh, Amy, actually, uh, Reggie here is our uh, our engineer here in the studio, and we're having a, a little excitement with the board, so he is just going to uh, uh, try again with the call, ring you right back, so we will have uh, Amy Allison will be back on the line with us momentarily. Hopefully we will get a better connection. This is uh, uh, probably a good time to remind you, actually. Uh, you can see that uh, we are working on improving some of our uh, 
technical issues here at WBAI, but the best way you can help us get a clear sound, clear signal, bring you better programming is to help us out with a donation. You can uh, make a one-time pledge or you can become a recurring donor by uh, joining our WBAI Buddy program. And you can do both of those things by giving us a call at 516-620-3600. Zero two. I'll give the number one more time. 516-620-3602. You can also do this online by going to give to, that's the number two, give to WBAI.org. You're listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI 99.5 FM. I'm Celeste Katz. I am senior political reporter for Glamour Magazine. And usually I'm here with Jeff Simmons, my co-host, still out and about and at large, but he will be back next week. So don't worry. He is uh, safe and sound. I have been uh, I've been in contact with him and he is traveling the country a little bit on a, a much deserved break. But don't worry. He will be back here in the studio with me and with Reggie and on the airwaves with you very, very soon. So uh, this is, uh, uh, in the meantime, while we are reconnecting with our final guest, uh, that's Amy Allison. She's uh, the founder of She the People, and she's also president of Democracy in Color. Uh, We are getting that set, but uh, we are talking about the 2020 election. And I know, look, it may seem like it's a little early to talk about it, but there are a lot of people out there who are are thinking about this and uh, thinking about doing this. And some of them may be looking right at the presidency. Some people may be thinking that this is a way to get on the radar uh, for a future run, for uh, possibility of being a ticket mate, getting on the vice presidential ticket. Uh, But the people on the ballot aren't the only people involved in this. That includes me and you and everyone's listening to this program. And I think we have Amy Allison back on the line. To talk I'm about. here. Sorry about that technical difficulty. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm uh, super glad you are back. And the signal sounds much better. So I will uh, I'll jump right back into our, our questions. Thanks for uh, thanks for sticking with us. Um, Thank you. So here's the question I want to ask you, uh, you know, based on what you've seen as a, a political observer and a researcher and what we saw in the midterms, what do you think it's going to take to get Donald Trump out of the Oval Office? It's We saw a lot of people getting very excited about uh, progressive politics in the midterms, but it is hard to uh, unseat a sitting president. That's just, that's just American history. So what's it going to take? I believe what's going to take is uniting the new American majority, which is the electoral majority that currently exists in this country. It's multiracial and it's progressive. And we saw its power when it elected and reelected Barack Obama. And understanding that our demographics are shifting, that the country is becoming majority, people of color and and states, particularly in the South and Southwest, these are the the battleground states, the Texas, uh, Georgia, uh, uh, New Mexico, Arizona, these places are majority people of color, and we have an opportunity to unite across race to be successful in a presidential. But I think what it's going to take is, is more than that. It's going to take, I think there's three main ingredients. One, at the top of the ticket, we need a presidential candidate who speaks forcefully and effectively on issues of not just economic justice or social justice, but racial justice. Um, second, uh, you know, every... 
presidential uh, uh, election cycle, the Democrats spend about a billion and a half dollars on all the business of campaigning. But most of that money is spent on TV ads, has been in the past, which doesn't get anyone to the polls. So if we look at the playbook that we saw very effectively, unsuccessfully, for the reasons many people know, but in Georgia, where you have, you look at expanding the electorate, putting people on the ground, talking to and linking up with real people in the communities, um, that is a better use of money. It's more effective, and it actually uh, helps you uh, to secure wins. And we saw that uh, because Clinton didn't do that in 2016, didn't spend money specifically on black voters or voter of color engagement like that, um, she lost states like Michigan, and I think that was preventable. I think the third is for um, for us um, uh, to really work to unite uh, movement activists with the political, and I don't think we need to kowtow to some invisible middle, but have a very powerful social, economic, and racial justice agenda that we hold uh, the party to, the candidates to, and our movements to. And I think that's the path uh, to victory. It's not a guarantee, but it's going to do a lot better than the way that uh, the Democrats ran the 2016 presidential. So given given that those are the things that you uh, see as needing to be done, is there anybody that particularly stands out for you? Is there a, or a, maybe a short list? I know it's very early. I know it's very early, but it's, uh, I think it's too important uh, for a lot of people to, to wait to think about this. Uh, is there anybody who particularly you think uh, embodies or has demonstrated the ability to, to carry that message uh, more effectively than, than anybody else? It is early. I mean, I don't think we've seen this kind of primary uh, for the Democrats ever. There's 26 campaigns at my last count. And so it's going to mean that the block of most loyal Democrats and strongest progressives in the Democratic Party, which are women of color, um, are going to be um, the most critical vote for anyone running in the, uh, in the primaries to win. Now, we know that women of color lead on um, progressive vote, but it's not just a given that they, that any candidate would win those. They have to be able to speak effectively to the things that are important to women of color. Um, and women of color, uh, black women, uh, uh, Latinas, Asian American women, and Native women um, have a host of issues. Uh, the top, according to a poll that we took um, three weeks ago, is, is immigration. But what are they doing to um, defend the humanity of migrants and um, to change the system, the immigration system. Criminal justice reform is also another top issue. So these, these candidates who, I mean, I, I, I've been saying this for a while, there's not going to be a uh, candidate running in the primary who wants to represent the Democrats um, that will be able to be successful without speaking to the hopes and the dreams and the real live issues that women of color are bringing to the nation. And so... That, to me, is a litmus test, and I, we haven't yet seen what all the candidates will do um, around any of these issues yet, so it's a little early to tell. 
So if you are just joining us, we are speaking to Amy Allison. She's the founder of She the People and the president of Democracy in Color. This is Driving Forces on 99.5 FM WBAI. I'm Celeste Katz. I am senior politics reporter for Glamour Magazine, which means I write a lot about women in politics. And we saw some uh, some really groundbreaking accomplishments by women in the midterms. We saw record numbers of women running, uh, winning nominations, winning office. Uh, and then that's very impressive and that's very exciting. But uh, Amy, I have to ask you, and I know this is kind of crystal ball time. Do you think this country is ready for a woman president? And if so, will we see one possibly uh, get elected in 2020? Wasn't well, that the question people were asking in 2007 when Barack Obama was kind of an obscure senator? People didn't really know his name. They would ask, is the country ready for a black president? And I think the, the answer is yes. I mean, that's the majority of this population are women. Um, and I think that we need uh, to be honest about the systems that have, and the, a belief system and the culture that have prevented uh, full support um, for uh, many female candidates, particularly women of color. And a lot of that lack of support is coming from the Democratic Party and people who consider themselves otherwise liberal or progressive. So it's not just a problem with the GOP or somewhere out there. It's, it's a problem in our society. And I think we, what we need to ask is how, how can uh, this candidate, if, it's, if it is a woman, appeal to a broad-based multiracial uh, collection of voters and be inspiring and powerful enough to be a true counterpoint to Trump? Because if the candidate running against Trump doesn't lean deeply into the base of the Democratic Party, is not um, providing you know, a powerful, uh, courageous, moral leadership and uh, policy ideas, they're not going to inspire enough people to go out to the polls. Because we have the number of Democrats. There's just more Democrats in this country registered. And there's more potential Democrats if they invest in um, voter engagement in places where people are eligible but not registered. But the problem is they have to inspire people to go to the polls and, and invest in turnout. And that's the way to win any candidate, uh, male or female. And uh, Amy, we have time for just one more quick question. Uh, it's, uh, it's been great having you on the program. I guess uh, the last thing I wanted to, uh, to have you talk to the people out there uh, listening about is there's a lot of people uh, that could potentially get into this Democratic primary. Sometimes these things get ugly and you see some of the attacks that are used in primaries end up getting recycled by the Republican on the other side. So are you concerned that the person uh, who wins ultimately wins the primary uh, is going to come out weaker, or do you think that person's going to come out stronger and, and this is just democracy? I think the primary process is, is it has a potential of us getting a well-vetted, stronger candidate standing up against Trump. But that's not a guarantee. If we... Uh, aren't vocal, we don't have high expectations for the person who wants to represent the Democrats um, for president. So I think, you know, I think it's, it's, on one hand, it's a game of politics, and that's uh, what can happen. On the other hand, we're not trying to win over Trump supporters. What we're trying to do is speak forcefully um, to and for the base of people. And the party is half people of color, um, the bait that the core vote is women of color. Mm. And so that candidate who speaks to that and yet is able to um, bring everyone aboard as, a, as an inclusive coalition, that person will um, be able to inspire the votes to get through 2020. 
Amy Allison, it's been a pleasure to have you on the program. We will tell people to look out online for She the People and Democracy in Color. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back again soon. Thanks so much, Celeste. So thanks, everybody. That's it for this hour of Driving Forces. You're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM and streaming live on WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz, back with Jeff Simmons next week. Thank you to our engineer, Reggie, and thank you to you, our listeners. Catch you on the radio. Do you want to understand and even change your financial situation? If so, then Economic Update is the program for you. Economics professor and host of Economic Update, Richard D. Wolf, discusses the current state of the economy, both locally and globally. Richard and various guests discuss wages, jobs, taxes, and debts on interest rates, prices, and profits. Also explores alternative ways to organize enterprises, markets, and government policies. Please join us on Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. to help and understand your financial situation a little better. Here on WBAI New York. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Chaka, 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 gone. Chaka, gone. This Thursday, December 27th at 10 p.m., join Baby K and DJ Kyle McNeil with special guest DJ Reborn on The Sweet Spot for our annual Shaka Kanaka Holiday Special. We'll be sharing our favorite Shaka Khan songs, stories, and interview clips from Miss Sweet Thing herself. That's Shaka Kanaka, this Thursday, 10 p.m. on The Sweet Spot. Only on WBAI 99.5 FM. Streaming online at WBAI.org. Listener-sponsored community radio. Hello, this is Kiani Bria. WBAI's local election supervisor with an announcement. WBAI's local station board election will be held from January 7th to February 11th, 2019. For updates, visit WBAI.org, and for questions, you may call 413-424-9569 or email les underscore WBAI at pacifica.org. The world is a fine place and worth the fighting for, and I hate very much to leave it. There's a place for us. Tune in for a shortcut 
11 p.m. New Year's Eve, right here on WBAI-FM. Three is a magic number. Yes, it is. It's a magic number. And this is WBAI, New York, 99.5 FM, and WBAI.org online. The previous program was Driving Forces with Celeste Katz, and usually she is with uh, Jeff Simmons, and the show is on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Stay tuned for the WBAI Evening News coming up at the 6 p.m. hour, followed by uh, Elect. Economic update, economic, economic update. Get it together, Reggie. Economic update with Richard Wolf. That's what's coming up next at 6.30, and that comes right after the WBAI evening news. And um, that cart, that uh, promo that you heard was the annual uh, shortcuts for, in this case,